Countdown for blast off. X minus one. Yes, it's Maxwell House Coffee Time, starring George Burns and Gracie Allen. Richard Diamond, private detective. The Johnson Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. Suspense. It's time once again for another comedy episode of Our Miss Brooks. Dragnet. We offer you escape. Kraft presents the Great Gildersleeve. Yeah. I'm that man. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. Good evening, friends of the Inner Sanctum. The Jack Benny Program. Hi, this is Carl Amari, and welcome to episode 53 of Radio Rarities, the weekly podcast series that examines unique episodes from the golden age of radio. My co-host is the vivacious Lisa Wolf. This time we have an audition of an adventure series that had been on and off the air for several years, and in 1951, it saw new life. It's Rocky Jordan, a 30-minute drama starring George Raft. As the owner of the Cafe Tambourine in Cairo, a semi-legit businessman who can't be bought but was often involved in nefarious activities. The series was definitely influenced by the 1942 Academy Award-winning Warner Brothers film film, Casablanca, starring Humphrey Bogart, Ingrid Bergman, and Paul Onreid. In this motion picture classic, Bogart played Rick Blaine, the proprietor of Rick's Cafe Americaine, a hotbed for wartime intrigue in North Africa. In the Jordan radio series, there were two different locales for the Cafe Tambourine. When the program first hit the CBS airwaves January 8, 1945, it was based in Istanbul, Turkey. And the program was named A Man Named Jordan with Jack Moyles in the leading role. In November of 1944, Moyles moved to Los Angeles from San Francisco, where he was acting and singing on local Bay Area radio stations. A Man Named Jordan was Moyles' first leading role in radio. Previously, he had character parts in various shows, including The Whistler and The Pacific Story. Recurring characters in A Man Named Jordan were Jordan's valet, Ollie, his right-hand man, Duke, and girlfriend, Tony Sherwood. The program was written and directed by Ray Buffum and broadcast as a daily 15-minute adventure serial at 5 p.m., but only on West Coast stations. CBS footed the bill as there was no sponsor. On November 3, 1945, it became a weekly half-hour show where it remained through September 27, 1947. It went off the air for a year, and returned to the CBS Pacific Network Sunday, October 31st, 1948 at 8 p.m. Though Jack Moyles was once again in the lead role, many changes were made, including the name of the series now called Rocky Jordan. Cliff Howell was the new producer-director, and a variety of freelance scriptwriters were brought in, including Gomer Cool, William Frug, and Larry Roman. The Cafe Tambourine was now located in Cairo, The reason for the switch from Turkey to Egypt is unknown. The reoccurring characters in the series were police captain Sam Sabaya, portrayed by Jay Novello, his assistant Sergeant Greco, played by Lou Krugman, and Chris, the Cafe Tambourine bartender. Several actors played Chris during the program's run. In August of 1949, Rocky Jordan picked up its first advertiser, Del Monte Foods. The sponsorship remained until June 25, 1950. When it reverted back to sustaining status, remaining on the air through September 10, 1950. It was then absent from the CBS schedule for several months. In the spring of 1951, CBS was interested in airing both a Rocky Jordan 
between radio and television series. It was thought that a film star would be the best audience draw for the new productions, and George Raft was chosen. Raft was the second lead playing gangster roles in several films, including Scarface with Paul Muni, Each Dawn I Die with James Cagney, and Invisible Stripes with Humphrey Bogart. On radio, Raft appeared on the Lux Radio Theater, reprising his film roles in Manpower and Intrigue. He was the leading actor in the 1947 transcribed syndicated radio series, The Cases of Mr. Ace, which was an unofficial spinoff from his 1946 film release, Mr. Ace. In the film, Raft plays a gangster supporting a woman played by Sylvia Sidney, who is campaigning for Congress. In the radio series, which was very different from the film, Raft plays a private detective. The series later became the short-lived TV series, The Cases of Eddie Drake, starring Don Haggerty. Okay, sit back, relax, and enjoy George Raft in The Man from Damascus, an audition of Rocky Jordan, as recorded at the CBS Studios in Hollywood, March 28, 1951. Now, starring George Raft, we bring you a world of adventure with Rocky Jordan. I'm Rocky Jordan. I run the Cafe Tambourine in Cairo. If you're ever out this way, stop in. I'll have Chris, my bartender, mix you one. You won't forget. The Café Tambourine in Cairo. Crowded with tourists, camel drivers, women, cheats. Forgotten men down on their luck. The lonely and the lost. For this is Cairo, gateway to the ancient east, where modern adventure and intrigue unfold against a backdrop of antiquity. Tonight's Rocky Jordan story, The Man from Damascus. Hi. I'm Chris. I've been Rocky Jordan's bartender and best pal for years. He told me you might stop in. Sit down. Hey, Chris. Oh, excuse me a minute. Oh, yeah, Rock? Watch those two in the corner. They look like a couple of pickpockets I knew in Istanbul. I'll keep an eye on them, Rocky. And if they start moving around, throw them out. Yeah. And, uh, Chris. Yeah? Take it easy on the conversation tonight, huh? Me? Oh, Rock, don't I always? <laughs> oh, Sure. Uh, I'll be in the office, Chris. <laughs> okay, Rocky. <laughs> Rocky's a great guy. He tells me a lot of things. Oh, not everything, but a lot. He's hard as nails if he's being pushed, but with a soft spot in his heart. Well, for instance, you ever been in Damascus? Rocky met a man from Damascus once, was as twisted as they come. I remember it was a hot Wednesday evening just after the Moisin had called the natives to prayer. I was here at the bar serving up some arak to a sailor from Port Said. Rocky was up front watching it get dark out in the street. That's when the girl came in. Oh, her hair was black and her eyes were wide and gray-green and plenty worthwhile. She had what it takes. And on Rocky, it took... 
He suddenly lost all interest in the street outside as she walked up to him. Pardon. You are Mr. Jordan. Rocky Jordan. Yeah, lady, that's right. I am Sandra Marr. I am new to Cairo. I arrived only today from Damascus in uh, Syria. Glad to know you, Miss Marr. Sightseeing? You may call me Sandra. And no, I'm not sightseeing. I came to your cafe expressly to see you. Oh, just to see me. I would like to talk to you. Can you give me a little of your time? Time? (laughs) That's the one thing I have plenty of, Sandra. Uh, Shall we go back to my table? Thank you. You are very kind, Rocky. I will take but a few moments. Take as many as you like. Here we are. Mm, Thank you. Oh, uh, can I get you something, Rocky? Would you like a drink, Sandra? No, thank you. Oh, nothing, Chris. Well, uh, you said you wanted to talk. Have you a light for my cigarette? Sure, sure. Here you are, Sandra. Thank you, Rocky. Now, uh, what's on your mind? I was told that of all people in Cairo, you were the one who could help me. You know Cairo, all of it. You have ways of finding things out. Maybe. Go on. I am looking for someone. Someone here in the tambourine? No, Rocky. But I must find this someone quickly, tonight. Why come to me? I run a cafe, not a traveler's aid bureau. Oh, please do not make jokes with me. I'm not. Promise then that you will help me. I can be most grateful. Please, Rocky, promise for me. Look, Sandra, I don't know what your game is, but I like all the cards on the table. All my cards are on the table. No, they're not. Who is this someone? What's your angle? I cannot say. You can't or won't. Which? That's too bad. It could have been real nice meeting you, Sandra. But, Rocky, I must find him. He told me he was coming to Cairo on business, but I know that is not true. He is in trouble, some terrible sort of trouble. Why don't you go to the police? The police? Oh, no. They must know nothing of this. Oh, great. You want me to find a guy who's in trouble? The kind of trouble you can't go to the police with. Uh-huh. No, thanks. Please, Rocky, I will pay for your help. I told you before. I want all the cards on the table. I like you, Sandra. And I'd like to help you. Now, uh... Do you want to tell me what this is all about? Rocky, I cannot. You must trust me. Sorry, Sandra. I've been burned before. No information, no deal. She didn't say another word, just got up and started for the door. Rocky watched her all the way out. Then he lit a smoke and headed for his office. I was cracking out another bottle of Arak for the thirsty sailor when we heard it. <laughs> By the time I got clear of the bar, Rocky was already out the front door. Street was full of sounds and smells and people, but none of them was the girl with the gray-green eyes. Chris, I'm sure that was the girl who was just in here. Maybe she really did need help. Yeah, but Rocky, where is she? Oh, she can't be very far. I'm going to have a look. You better get back to the till. He was gone a good half hour looking for him, but when he finally got back, he was alone. Rocky. What is it, Chris? Did you find her? Mm, not a sign. I wonder what happened. I don't know. But I got a feeling that the night's not over yet. Oh, you're so right. There's, uh, there's a guy here to see you, Rock. 
He's in your office. He's what? Yeah, well, Rocky, it was like Chris, this. Chris, the, the, the guy... small island. Oh, Forty sailor. days on the water, no drink but water. Yeah, I'll be right me. with you, sailor. You want me to go in with you, Rock? No, I'll handle it, Chris. You take care of sailor boy there. Yeah, okay. All right, sailor, I'll rock. Hello, Jordan. Make yourself at home. That's what I'm doing. Pretty good liquor in your private stock. It's too rich for your taste, buddy. Put it down. Yeah, the perfect host, huh? Put it down. Sure, sure. Funny, figured you're different. Everybody in town says you're a right guy. Maybe you've been talking to the wrong people. Well, what do you want? You. I've got 1,000 pounds here for you, Jordan. There. Go ahead, count it. What's that for? Partial payment for services about to be rendered. No, thanks. I'm not for sale. That thousand pounds is just a start, pal. There's more where that came from. Mm, there always is. Yeah. Come on, Zorton, you've got an appointment. I can't make it. Now, that's a mistake, pal. You and me, we are working for the same fella. We are, huh? Well, bring him around sometime. He don't figure that way. You see, he's got... Look, take that money and get out of here. Get away from that door, Jordan, or I pin you to the wall. Seven-inch blade, pal. The mask is steel. Take it easy, Heavy. Sure. And it's double-edged, Jordan. You don't want to argue with this. You're right. I don't. Hey, come on, then. Let's go. Out the back way. The big monkey with a knife marched Rocky out the back door of the tambourine into a car parked in the alley, and they ended up at a sagging heap called the House of Sand that passed for a hotel. They climbed the stairs, and with the big guy's knife at his spine, Rocky was stopped in front of the door to room 12. Go on, knock. Who is this? Jordan. He's come for the rest of the dough. You're taking a lot for granted, Buster. You may let him come in now. Go ahead, Jordan. Meet your new boss. Hello, Mr. Jordan. Nice of you to come. You go leave us alone, please. Sure. You look shocked, Mr. Jordan. Sit down. I'll take it standing. Puzzled, perhaps, at what you see? My head completely wrapped in bandages? Who are you? You may call me the man from Damascus. That tells me a lot. Why the disguise? You mean my bandages? It is quite simple. I no longer have a face. Ever hear of plastic surgery? That will take a great deal of time and money. There is something I must do first. How about getting to the point? Very well. There is a man in Cairo I want. You are going to find him and bring him to me. <laughs> oh, what do you know? I turned down that same offer earlier tonight. And it was much more attractive then. Don't press your good fortune, Jordan. Now listen to me. The man you will bring to me is Alex Zarko. Alex Zarko? Why, the police have had it dragging it out for him for over two weeks. And I want to get to him before they do. Jordan, you know where a man like Zarko would hide and how to get to him. Sorry, you've got the wrong guy. Jordan, listen to me. I cannot go looking for him like this. I will double that thousand pounds. Jordan, be reasonable. I'm trying to. Zarko is wanted for attempted assassination and assorted murders. The Egyptian police have got him bottled up here in Cairo. I've got the riverfront, every road, train, and flight covered. It's only a matter of time. Exactly. And I want him first. What have you got against Zarko? 
was he, Alex Zarko, who took my face from me. Oh. Apparently you cannot realize what it is to know that you can never walk the streets again without a covering over the horror that was once a face. Well, Jordan? No deal. You've got a private beef with Zarko. Keep it that way. Now, do I get out of here or not? This time you do, because I still need your help. Don't count on it. Jordan, wait. Now that you have seen me and know my purpose, you can be as much of a menace to me as a help. Consider that carefully, Jordan. If I do not hear from you again within an hour, I shall act accordingly. When Rocky come back to the tambourine, he didn't say a word. Just drew himself a beer, went over to a table in the back, and sat down facing the door. He was there for over an hour, like he was waiting for something to happen. And it finally did, but not what he was expecting. It was the girl with the gray-green eyes again. She walked right back to Rocky's table. But before she could reach him, Rocky was on his feet. Sandra. Rocky, please. It is not easy for me to inflict myself on you for the second time. But I have to. I'm sorry. Never mind the apology, Sandra. What happened? When you sent me away before, there was a man out there in the street. A big man who carries a knife. I had seen him before, only a few days ago in Damascus. He started after me, but I got away and hid. From both of us? Oh, I went to look for you myself. I'm glad you did. But when I left my hiding place, I saw you drive away from here with that same man. It is my belief he took you to the person I am seeking. The one who calls himself the man from Damascus, huh? Yes. Will you tell me now where the man from Damascus is? The answer still no. He's looking for trouble and you don't belong in it. But I do. I must help him. Help him? Maybe you don't know he's gunning for a guy named Alex Zarko. Oh, no, that cannot be true. Paul is not that kind of person. Paul... Paul? Paul Ma, maybe? Yes. Oh. I see. Paul. You'll find him in a place called the House of Sand. Oh, Rocky, thank you. Someday I hope I can explain. Well, you got what you came here for, Sandra. See you around. Rocky, please, you do not understand. But I, I, I must go to him. Don't let me keep you, Sandra. Oh, Rocky. Rocky watched the walk out for the second time in one night. And then he started to come up front toward the bar. I looked up just in time. Rocky! At the back door, a guy with his whole head in bandages. He's got a gun! Rocky, look out! Your hour is up, Jordan! You have made your decision! Now die with it! Listening to The Man from Damascus, tonight's adventure with Rocky Jordan, starring George Raft. You're listening to Radio Rarities. We'll return after this short break. If you enjoy classic radio shows like The Lone Ranger, The Shadow, Jack Benny, Gunsmoke, Dragnet, and Suspense, become a member of the Classic Radio Club. 
Each month, you'll receive 10 half-hour classic radio shows, along with historical liner notes. The 10 shows will be on five CDs or via digital download, whichever you prefer. You'll also receive an email every week with a digital link to the full five-hour Hollywood 360 radio show and the 30-minute Radio Rarities podcast that Lisa Wolf and I co-host. In total, you'll receive 34 classic radio shows per month. Become a Classic Radio Club member at ClassicRadioClub.com or call 815-900-7535 to speak to a live operator. Log on to ClassicRadioClub.com or call 815-900-7535. That's 815-900-7535. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-494-8310. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-494-8310. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-494-8310. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Now, back to Radio Rarities. And now we take you back to Cairo and Rocky Jordan's adventure with The Man from Damascus. When the man from Damascus cut down on my boss, Rocky, and splattered the glassware around with his 38 slugs, he made a lot of changes in the tambourine. All the cash customers disappeared in a hurry. Rocky was bleeding from a nick in his left shoulder. And for a topper, who should come walking in but Captain Sam Sabaya, Cairo Police, a gentleman with an awful lot of cop know-how under his red fez. Good evening, Jordan. Is it possible that I can be of some slight service at this time? I doubt it, Sam. The floor show is over. Better get a broom, Chris, and let me know how much stuff was broken. I'm going to collect damages in full. Yeah, okay, Rock. Uh, damages from whom, Jordan? I can't remember. Oh, here. Uh, give me a hand with this handkerchief, will you, Sam? I've got a little scratch here. Oh, yes, of course, certainly. Uh, Jordan, the caller's name, what did you say it was? I didn't say. Jordan, who did this? I said I didn't remember. Oh, by the way, Sam, what brought you here so fast? Don't tell me you were just passing by and heard the shots. No, Georgia, no. I was warned the shooting would take place. I wish I could have arrived a little earlier. What's the angle, Sam? Care to name it? I will name it, Jordan. It is Alex Zarko. I am determined that he shall not get out of Cairo. At this time, he will not escape the law. Why come to me? Somebody say I was tied in? Precisely. Who? I can't remember, Jordan. Oh. Now, about the shooting, is Zarko connected with it? If you mean, did he pull the trigger? No. I mean what I said, is Zarko connected with this? Maybe, but at the moment, it's a private matter. Violence is never a private matter. Now, for the last time, what is this shooting all about? Very well, Jordan. 
I cannot force you to speak at this time. However, I wish to warn you that if anyone else is injured in this private matter of yours, I shall hold you responsible. Don't worry about me, Sam. I'll be good. Just as good as the next guy. But no better. When Captain Sabaya left, Rocky waited just long enough to get a decent dressing on his shoulder, and then he headed back for room 12 at the House of Sand. But the man of bandages had checked out. Room 12 was as empty as a camel's future. It made the front desk the next stop, and there Rocky found the landlady, a relic older than the Sphinx, but a little noisier, completely engrossed in a U.S. comic book called The Phantom Menace. Say, lady. Lady. Hey, sweetheart. Front and center. Oh, oh, Effendi. The Phantom Menace has just captured Brick Braun and is dipping him head first into a barrel of pickle brine 100 times. It is very funny. I'm glad you're having fun. But if you can get a hold of yourself for a minute, it might earn you a pound note. All the laughter has suddenly departed. How can I earn this magnificent sum? By giving me the forwarding address on the party who just vacated room 12. Oh, that would be a short, fat man with a bald spot. A seller of fly swatters. No, that would be a tall man with bandages where he should have a face. A seller of death. Death comes higher than fly swatters. Not always, but I'll go two pounds. Oh. The young lady offered me five pounds. Young lady? A brunette with gray eyes? The same. All right. I'll go five pounds. She resides now in room ten of this establishment. I think she loves the man of the hidden face. I think she waits on the vain hope of his return. Nobody asks you what you think. I'm paying you for what you know. Here's five pounds. Now, when did number twelve check out? Two hours ago. How did he leave? By taxi. I myself called it. Do you know the driver? I do indeed. He is a descendant of the evil dog. I want his name, not his pedigree. Haliamar. Residence 303 Sharia Shaman. Oh, it is worth his five pounds to but mention his name. Well, play like you're the fan of Menace and he's Brick Braun. <laughs> I shall, and I will be bathed in ecstasy. <laughs> Rocky left the old woman cackling over her comic book and checked out that cab driver, Holly Amar. After a little uh, persuasion, he told Rocky he'd left the man from Damascus off at another termite trap called the Little Nile. The man with the bandages was holed up on the second floor. Rocky listened at the door, but he didn't hear anything inside, so he eased it open. First thing he saw was a guy in a chair across the room. It was the man from Damascus, all right. Second thing he saw was a little Italian-made gun in the guy's hand. Pointed straight at Rocky's chest. What has kept you, Jordan? I didn't know you were waiting. That is close enough. Well, you have come. Living up to your reputation perfectly. I knew that if I had not killed you in your cafe, you would come looking for me. Put down that gun. You're not going to kill me here. For one thing, Captain Sabaya knows you're after me. That does not worry me, Jordan. Maybe not. But for another thing, Sandra's in town. Sandra? That's right. She's in Cairo looking for you. She came to me for help. Right now, she's at the House of Sand waiting for you to come back. Sandra. My sister. Your what? My beautiful sister. The only person I have in the world. 
So you're her brother. Well, what do you know? And I took you for Mr. and Mrs. Sandra thinks an awful lot of you, Ma. She doesn't figure you could kill anybody. Me or Alex Zarko. Regardless of what's happened. Stop it, Charlton. Do not unnerve me. You and I are stalemated. You have a score to settle with me, but I am holding the gun. Now, if I drop the gun... You want me to drop the grudge, is that it? Yes. I do not want you dead, Jordan. Because I can still use your help. I still want Alex Zarko. And if you can be trapped... You're crazy. I told you once, I'm not butting into a private feud. But I am, Jordan. Sam. You will drop the gun, please. Drop it! You're really getting around tonight, Sam. I know you well enough, Jordan, to realize that you would not allow someone to shoot at you and then forget it. When you would not tell me who had done it, I knew if I followed you long enough, you would lead me to him. You usually do. Look, Sam, this is strictly between Mar and me. I have told you once, Jordan, violence is not a private matter. I will not allow killing if I can help it. And I will not allow either of you to interfere with the police capture of Alex Zarko. And you have not found him yet. No, but I will. And you will not. Mr. Mar, you will please remove the bandages from your face. What? I said you will please remove the bandages. Very well. I shall step into the light, gentlemen, so that you may see all that is left of what was once a face. Rocky and Captain Sabaya watched Palmar unwind the bandages, uncovering first what should have been his chin, and then the battered purple skin on his cheeks, and the twisted mouth, the mashed nose, and then his eyes. A hard, waxy kind of a stare came from his left eye. An eye that couldn't blink because it had no lid. There. Now. Now you can see why I feel as I do about Alex Zarko. I... I'm most sorry I had to subject you to this, Mr. Marr. But I still cannot allow a personal revenge to interfere with my execution of the law. It is customary in Cairo in affairs of this nature to use the following procedure. There is a train leaving Cairo for Alexandria in one hour. You will please be on the train. From Alexandria, you should have no trouble securing passage back to Syria. Uh, Sam... And uh... you, Jordan, shall remain in my custody until Mr. Marr has left the city. You have then one hour, Mr. Marr. I will meet you at the Cairo station to make certain you have boarded the train. Now you may put the bandages back on your face. Jordan, you will come with me to police headquarters. Come on. Hello? Rocky Jordan, Sandra. Oh, Rocky. I'm calling for police headquarters. Police headquarters? Is it about Paul? Yeah. I know the man from Damascus is your brother. I also know he's leaving Cairo. My hunch is he's going to Damascus. What? How do you know this, Rocky? You have seen him again? Paul will tell you about it if he wants to. He's a pretty mixed-up guy, Sandra. He's going to need a lot of help. He says you're the only person he's got. I know. There is no one else. Then I guess it's up to you. Yes, I must go. But, Rocky, someday when Paul is himself again... Perhaps I can come back to Cairo? Yeah, perhaps you can. And Rocky, when I do, I... When you do, you know where to find me, Sandra. At the tambourine. Now, 
I'll get going and throw your things in a suitcase and see if you can keep them out of trouble. And Sandra. Yes, Rocky? Good luck. When Rocky and Captain Sabaya got to the train station, there weren't too many people there at that hour of the night. But standing down at the end of the platform under a light that made his bandages look extra white was the guy they were looking for, Paul Mark. As Rocky and the captain walked up to him, his eyes blinked at them through the slits in those wrappings around his head. Well, Mr. Mar, you will be leaving Cairo in a moment. If after a year has passed you wish to return to our city, write me a letter explaining your reasons, and I shall see what can be done to make Cairo available to you once more. Well, that's it. So long, Paul. Take good care of Sandra. Well, that is that. <laughs> a dangerously unhappy man there, Jordan. Not one word of goodbye. Yeah. Well, he's got reason, Sam. He's... Wait a minute. Sam! What is the matter with you? What? Where are you going? To catch this train. And you better come, too. Come on, let's get it. They had to run for it, but they both made it. Rocky first, and then Captain Sabaya, wheezing and red-faced one car later. Rocky started up through the train, looking for the guy in the bandages, and finally found him. The guy saw him coming and tried to get away, but Rocky nailed him hard. By the time Sabaya got there, the guy in the bandages was just coming, too. Jordan, you will please explain the meaning of this. They can peel off those bandages. That'll explain it. Go on, Sam. You will please remove the bandages, Mr. Mar. Take them off, buddy. Or I'll do it for you. That's right. A little more. Let Sam see who you really are. Jordan, what is this? There you are, Sam. He's not Paul Mar. He's the guy you've been after for weeks. Sam, meet Alex Zarko. You see, it was all a fancy plan of that Zarko guy to get out of Cairo disguised as Paul Marr. And he framed it up with Marr to deliberately create a fuss, you know, like shooting up the tambourine, which he knew was just enough to get him run out of Cairo. It almost worked, too, except Zarko couldn't control his eyes. He blinked once, and once was enough because Rocky remembered that Paul Marr's left eye couldn't blink. Well, when they finally got back to headquarters, Captain Sabaya had some questions. Uh, Jordan, where would you say Paul Marr is now? Probably the House of Sand with his sister. You realize that I must send men to apprehend him. You understand that Marr will have a jail sentence to serve for aiding a criminal. Yeah. Why, why do you suppose he tried to help Zarko escape? Well, put yourself in his place. A face like his. A lot of desperation. It was a business deal. Money any way he could get it for a plastic surgery job. Hmm. You are aware, Jordan, that I must confiscate the money Zarko gave him. I'm aware that you might be able to take the dough. Unless you happen to forget that he's got it. Surely you're not suggesting that I deliberately overlook a financial arrangement that existed between criminals? Yeah, something like that. Jordan, I have always suspected you are a man without scruples. Sure I am. Remember the time I tried to sell that Monte Carlo swindler a half interest in the tourist concession for the tombs of the Memlo? <laughs> uh, remember? Yeah. No. No, I do not believe I do. Oh, huh. My memory is not at all what it used to be. I, 
I seem to forget things uh, very quickly these days. Thanks, Sam. See you around. <laughs> and that's what I mean. That's what I was telling you about my boss, Rocky Jordan. Hard as nails when he's being pushed, but he's got a soft spot in his heart that, I don't know, kind of pays off. Say, Chris. Oh, excuse me. Yeah, Rock, you want me? Yeah. It's about time to close up. Okay. I'll throw the lock on the back door. Well, folks, we're closing up for the night. I hope that bartender of mine didn't bend your ear too much. When you're in Cairo again, don't forget to stop in here at the Cafe Tambourine. You're always welcome, as long as you don't ask too many questions. Good night. It's CBS again at the same time next week for another story of adventure and intrigue when we take you back to Cairo and the Cafe Tambourine, run by Rocky Jordan. George Raff stars as Rocky Jordan. This program is produced and directed by Cliff Howell with original music by Richard Arad. Tonight's story by Adrian Chanto and Larry Roman was prepared for broadcast by Robert Mitchell and Gene Levitt. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Well, Carl, that was an intriguing show with George Rapp doing a fine job as Rocky Jordan. He was the only cast member credited. Chris, the bartender, was played by Larry Dobkin. In a change from previous seasons of the series... Chris is now the narrator of each episode instead of Rocky. Rap was uncomfortable reciting long passages on air, so this tweak was made. Sort of like you, right, Lisa? Yes, I was going to say like you, but I didn't <laughs> want to say it. One of radio's best actresses, Lorene Tuttle, plays both Sandra Marr and the old lady reading the comic book. Jay Novella was brought back as Captain Sam Sabaya. David Ellis plays the bandaged man, the man from Damascus, Paul Marr. Barney Phillips was Marr's henchman. And Dan Coverley was the announcer. Cliff Howell was the producer-director who enlisted Robert Mitchell and Gene Levitt to rework the script, which was originally written by Adrian Gondeau and Larry Roman. The script had previously been performed on the series June 12, 1949. It's interesting, Carl, that a script was recycled from a previous season and that a new story, one written especially for rap, was not used for the audition. CBS wanted to save money as they were paying for the audition with no guarantee it would be greenlit. The audition did not immediately sell and negotiations continued on both the radio and television versions. In a move to increase the opportunities to air both versions, CBS scheduled Rocky Jordan starring George Rapp as a summer replacement for Mr. Chameleon. It first aired Wednesday, June 27, 1951 at 8 p.m. Eastern and at 9 p.m. on the West Coast. This was the first time that Rocky Jordan was broadcast coast to coast. The series continued for just eight additional weeks, concluding as of August 22nd. It didn't acquire a sponsor and was not renewed for the fall. Even with a big-name Hollywood movie star in the lead role, the show was canceled. To compound matters, negotiations for the television version stalled and were ultimately discontinued. Rocky Jordan was off the air for a year but was resurrected 
and once again thrilled fans beginning July 6, 1952. But unfortunately, for listeners east of the Rockies, the program was once again limited to West Coast CBS stations. Jack Moyles had reclaimed the Jordan role and reinstated the narration, which was one of the hallmarks of his previous seasons. And the music definitely contributed to the atmosphere of the program. Richard Orant, who had performed in previous seasons, continued at the Oregon console. Though the series started as a sustainer, it picked up two different sponsors during its final year on the air. The first 13 weeks was sponsored by the Rainer Brewing Company, and the next six months was by General Foods. The door was closed on the Cafe Tambourine for the final time, June 26, 1953. There were two different 15-minute auditions of Rocky Jordan recorded with Jack Moyles in 1955. They did not sell, and CBS opted to air it as a sustainer, but instead scheduled a different nighttime serial. That was yours truly, Johnny Dollar, starring Bob Bailey as the man with the action-packed expense account. And we all know how successful that series was, Carl. Well, that's all the time we have for this edition of Radio Rarities. Radio Rarities is a Gulfstream Studios copyrighted production produced by yours truly, Carl Amari. My co-host is Lisa Wolf. Mike Estella is our executive producer, and the show is written by Carl Shadow. Next week, we'll present the 1947 audition of a seafaring adventure series, The Voyage of the Scarlet Queen, starring Howard Duff. You won't want to miss it. Thanks for listening. Hi, this is Suzanne Newman, host of the Answers for Elders podcast and radio show. We are the North Star that guides you through the complicated journey of senior care with trusted experts in money, law, living solutions, and more. So join us on this station, your favorite podcast channel, or just go to AnswersForElders.com. Meet the Wayshowers who will help your journey a lot easier.